live from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Five o'clock hour action sports jacks on ESPN 690. We call it football at five, and that's no different on NFL Draft Day. Casey Kurtz rocking with you. Brent Martineau on TV as we speak, CBS 47 and Fox 30. But we got more information from you coming from earlier in the week. Sal Palantonio knows Doug Peterson well, knows the NFL well. Friend of the program, has been on multiple times. Busy guy today, so we had to talk to him earlier this week. Brent Martineau caught up with Sal Pal, talked about Doug Peterson, what happened in Philly, what he thinks the Jags should do in this draft, and he knows Doug Peterson. So who does he think Doug Peterson is going to target in the draft? That conversation comes up right now. Say hello to Sal Palantonio. You know him well, of course, uh, from ESPN, and he's got a new NFL matchup draft special out on ESPN+. Plus. You have to check that out on ESPN+. Plus. And here we are. Draft week is finally here. Seems like it takes forever, Sal, in Jacksonville. We start talking about the draft in October, but the Jags have the number one pick. How intriguing is it from the outside looking in what the Jags might do? Well, I mean, they've got a lot of possibilities, and there have been lots of intrigue about who they will take. Um, I like the Trayvon Walker pick. I do. Uh, he's a very explosive player. He's very big. Um, I think he could be a game wrecker for them. I think he's a terrific choice. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson would be there, too. It seems to be a, a possibility. Uh, do you like what you see out of Hutchinson, what you've heard from Hutchinson? Everybody mentions sure. like maybe a low ceiling, but um, I'm not sure I agree with that. This guy was super productive and came into his own last year. Maybe he's just about to go up. Yeah, that's a hard, it's a hard call to make. But, I mean, for Walker, I mean, I think you could move him around. And he could be a game record and a tackle. Uh, I really like him. He's a great player. How hard is that for teams sometimes uh, in your experience to put a guy in the correct position that might be versatile? I mean, we saw Parsons last year for Dallas, right? I mean, he's drafted as a linebacker. He goes and has to go fill the defensive end role, and then he shines. I'm not sure they would have done that yeah. if they didn't have the necessity to do it. Yeah, and I think the Parsons experience uh, taught a lot of teams that you have to have versatility on defense. And that's what teams are looking for because you don't have one player in this draft that says, wow, you know. So let's get ourselves somebody that we know we can use in lots of different positions. And Walker can do that. And you got to remember something about Doug. You know, they call it Philly Special, Super Bowl 52. You see it over my shoulder. Where Brandon Graham made the number one play in Super Bowl, Eagles Super Bowl, Eagles history, strip-sacking Tom Brady in Super Bowl 52. They move Brandon Graham from end into tackle. He rushes in the middle, strip-sacks Tom Brady. They win the game. Doug Peterson remembers that, believe me. Uh, you mentioned Doug Peterson. Uh, again, you know him well. You, you you got the book right behind you, that special season and what he did. Uh, what are your thoughts so far of what you've seen out of Doug, his staff that he built, and, and, and the possibilities of what he can do in Jacksonville, something that few have been able to do, make this a winner? Yeah, I think it comes down to him and Trevor Lawrence. I think that's the number one thing. You know, Brent, you look at young quarterbacks in the league, and they all try to do too much because coaches put so much on them. And I think what Doug will do, will bring, he'll bring it back. 
and they'll say, you know, trust what we're going to do. Trust our process. Trust everybody around you. Trust the coaching staff. That's what Doug does. Doug builds trust within the building between players and coaches, between coaches and coaches, players and players. And I think that's the one thing that they lacked last year overall with Trevor Lawrence and their coaching staff. Were you surprised he didn't get more, I'm not sure about looks, because I think people were interested, but uh, it wasn't a more hot name when the decision-making came to fruition with all these openings, uh, and, and he ended up in Jacksonville. Uh, I was surprised for sure, yeah. I think Doug's a terrific coach. And he's going to make that team into a winner in three years. You watch. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> that would be a great thing if that finally uh, – you're still a big fan of Trevor Lawrence. We talked to you last year too, right? I mean, I, I think it's yeah. pretty interesting. When you have a bad year, people are like, oh, no, the quarterback. Oh, no, the quarterback. I don't get that vibe in Jacksonville or outside of Jacksonville. I think a lot of people put it on what he had surrounding him from urban and other things, and they're almost giving – Trevor a bit of a pass because of his skill set and maturity well one thing I learned from Ron Jaworski when I started the matchup show 20 years ago Brett quarterback and you know this quarterback's the most dependent position in pro football it is uh, you know you can't do anything without getting blocked receivers got to get open coaching staff has to do their job quarterback can deliver the football but he's highly dependent and I think Doug will makes Trevor understand that. So many young quarterbacks come out of college, they want to do it all. Why? Well, they did it all in college, right? So I think uh, Doug will get him to calm down a little bit, understand that there are a lot of people there to help him. And when Trevor learns that, he'll have some success, more success than he had last year. Sal Palantonio with us from ESPN and uh, talking about the NFL draft. It's finally here this week. There's been this like narrative, and I understand there's a lot of narratives that go on draft week, that Doug Peterson would like an offensive lineman to help protect Trevor. I, I kind of laugh at that. Doug Peterson knows what you just said, right? Defense helped them win that Super Bowl over New England. Yeah. It's a team game. Mm, yep. if, if they can get him markedly better at, at, with a defensive player, I can't imagine he's going to you know, stand on the table for an offensive lineman instead. Well, you can scheme protection in many ways. You really can't scheme pass rush in very many ways if you don't have superior athletes at the pass rush position. Rams prove that. Rams prove that. That's how they beat Joe Burrow. Bucks prove that. That's how they beat Patrick Mahomes. Last two Super Bowls were won by superior pass rushes. Doug understands that. He had that experience in Super Bowl 52. I've been saying for weeks that he will go T-line over O-line with the first pick. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, what's the true story out of Philadelphia? Did he have a say in some of the players? Did he want more? Because I can tell you this, Sal, he's going to have a say here. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he will have influence on – he already did, probably in free agency, and he probably will in this draft the next few days. Well, Doug's got a lot to offer. So, uh, you know, I think the bottom line is they got to let him make his contribution. But, you know, Doug doesn't, you know, he doesn't bang his fist on the table. He's not one of those guys. Doug's a consensus builder. He likes to work within the framework of an organization. Um, what happened in Philly, they needed a change in scenery. That was the bottom line. And the quarterback imploded. That didn't help.
Yeah. Uh, Sal Palantonio, the NFL matchup draft special available on ESPN Plus. You talk about this matchup with Ron, uh, show with Ron Jaworski. How fun has it been? I mean, 20 years worth of doing this thing. Uh, how much do you learn about the matchups in the NFL? Is it still the same football or has it changed a lot in two decades? Oh, yeah, it has changed, Brad. You know that. I think the number one thing is it's a passing game, but it's also now a blitzing league. You know, teams want to get after the quarterback. But you've got to have pass rushes. Um, so I think that's where the league is in the last three, four years for sure. The fulcrum of the league is we're throwing the ball and we're getting to the quarterback. However we we're doing it, we're doing it. We joke around a lot about here when we hear people say, I watched the tape or check the tape. There's, uh, there's, there's experts all over the place, right? Uh, how much do you really learn, though, over 20 years of doing that show uh, with Jaws as well about the game of football? What do you see now that maybe you didn't see before? No, that's a hard one. I think the number one thing is, you know, you don't watch the football. Watch the blocking schemes. Watch who's open and who's not open and how they're getting open in the passing game. Watch the footwork of the quarterback. Mechanics, so important. There's a lot of different things, nuances, if you don't watch the ball. That's the key. Hard to do when you're watching highlights. That's a good point. <laughs> really, or they're zoomed in, right? I mean, the, the video is yeah. so good. Now you don't see everything uh, from afar unless you watch that all 22. Uh, last one for you. We've eight teams, I think it is, with multiple picks. I mean, that is fascinating in the uh, first round. Uh, I'm not sure it will stay that way. Maybe we get some trades and things. But who do you feel like are the most intriguing teams? Is it the Jets and Giants in the top ten there? Wow. Most intriguing teams, you know, of the eight teams that have two first-round picks. I'm going to say the Eagles, uh, not because I'm here, but because they did make the playoffs last year, and they believe they're a player or two away from the division title. Uh, and Howie Roseman's made 64 draft day trades in 20 years, second only to Belichick. So I think they're the most intriguing team. You know, eight teams with two first-round picks, first time in a common draft, Eight teams with no first-round picks, hmm. also the most in the common draft. So it shows you, right, Brett, the high volatility of the league right now. I lied to you. I'm going to ask you one more. I want the Jags to move back into the first round, be aggressive, and go get a player that's a blue chipper instead of sit there and wait. Who, at who are you going for? Well, maybe, going it's for? A, maybe it's a Jamison Williams who, who slips a little bit, or or All maybe right. it's a Chris Olave, or maybe it's a Jordan Davis right. or a Linderbaum or somebody like that, if, if it's there. Be aggressive. We have too many picks around here, Sal. But yeah, how you coveted, got 12 picks. Use it, right? Yeah. How coveted is the 33rd overall pick, though, so GMs don't want to move from that spot because you can trade that on day two. You can sleep well, on it. Well, a lot of teams want to move back. So I would like to, yeah, Jaguars move up. I got one for you. Brees Hall, Iowa State. Would you move into the first round for him? Yes. Even with ETN and James Robinson? Yes, 100%. Oh, you, like him. you like him that much? Doug knows you can't have too many running backs. Very interesting. Another guy I like is Traylon Burks of Arkansas. Good one. He's hanging around 22-23. Jump up and get him. Love him. I love, love the idea. I love the idea of it. Uh, we're on the same page there, Sal. Sal Palantonio for ESPN. Check out ESPN Plus for the NFL matchup show, the draft special. Sal, always great to catch up with you. Hopefully we'll talk Doug Peterson winning over the next couple of years.
That is Sal Palantonio from ESPN. Brees Hall, he loved them, Casey. Yeah, I I was sitting in here when you did that, and I love the guy too. <laughs> I think he's extremely talented. He's been really good at Iowa State. You know, first-round running back when you have a first-round running back and then a guy like James Robinson is questionable, but I do agree with his logic, and he knows better than I guess we do, but Doug Peterson does love running backs. You think about all those guys that were on those Eagles teams, and in my opinion, most of them were literally just guys, but listen, I like Brees Hall. I don't know if I'd trade in to get him. I think he might be there at 33 unless something crazy happens, but I do like that guy. He is talented for sure. Yeah, I, um, I get it but I don't get running back. Like, I get loving a guy uh, to draft and go back in and get and, and all that stuff, And but I don't like running back, you know. Uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me for the Jacksonville Jaguars at that spot. They just did it last year. <laughs> I mean. I hear you. But you go get good players. Uh, you know, I do have this, this weird feeling in my mind as it comes to James Robinson. I love James Robinson, all right? Yep, around a lot of loves here. But I love James Robinson as a player. I think he's terrific. He's been awesome. But after the way he was treated by Urban Meyer and how he was kind of viewed, and remember, this guy wasn't viewed at, at well coming out anyway because he was an undrafted free agent. Everybody passed on him. Nobody saw this coming. But when I, when I think of people saying Brees Hall or you see ETN get picked, it's like, don't you wonder in the back of your mind, like, how long will James Robinson be in Jacksonville? How long will they have the confidence that he can, he's going to be the guy, even though he's done it? Like, he's put up the production. There's no other reason not to have the confidence other than this latest injury. But you know what I'm saying? Like, this weird yeah. feeling that I have that, like, the fans love James Robinson. We love James Robinson. But I don't know if the organization – I don't get the sense sometimes people around football – I shouldn't say the organization. People around football – love James Robinson as much, and it's like he's the guy they're always trying to replace. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I didn't love it when they picked Travis Etienne because that was my first thought, the disrespect to James Robinson and what he did in a rookie year for you. He was His rookie year, was he was like the only good player on offense, for lack of a better term. I mean, he was the offense, and he came out of nowhere. It was awesome. It was such a great story, and, yeah, the fans do love him. So I do get where you're coming from in terms of that you know, maybe stop trying to do things to replace this guy unless they really don't like him, which I can't understand because he's given you no reason to not like him. But I think at the end of the day, when you look at somebody that, you know, and maybe because the undrafted part of it, but there's always room to, I guess, upgrade. And if you think this guy, Barice Hall, is an upgrade, I, I, I'm not going to be mad at it if you think that's a guy that can eventually be the upgrade to James Robinson. Not now, not maybe not now. But in the future, I can't be mad at it. Yeah, well, I would say I'm going to try to be hardcore football guy. Okay, I'm going to be like Bill Belichick and the Patriots and cutting the guy before the Super Bowl. Okay? <laughs> and again, I want it to be perfectly known, like, I'm a huge James Robinson fan. But if I'm being like a cutthroat football guy, and the Patriots, by the way, are king at this, not just cutting Taekwon Underwood on the eve of the Super Bowl, but they unload players after, like, a good couple of seasons and don't always sign them back. And so... Is there a possibility here that that is, hey, we got a ton out of James Robinson. We appreciate it. It's unbelievable. We think we got the best out of him. If we look down the road for the next three years is, and, and we're building this thing and we're, like, trying to win a Super Bowl in three years, is James a part of that? Or are we better off getting a guy like Brees Hall and Travis Etienne? And now those guys are a part of it for the next five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I, again, 
I'm not advocating this. I just want to make that perfectly clear. Big James Robinson fan. But I do wonder sometimes, and I have this kind of weird feeling, how does the foot, how do football people look at James, even though he's impressed? Like, I hate that part about sports. I hate that part about life sometimes. Like, you've done all you can. You have performed way above your pay grade, yet they're still trying to replace you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, that happens in business all the time, but it happens in sports a lot, and it's really unfair. Um, and I just wonder sometimes, and I guess we'll see how this goes. I, I, I do not think the Jaguars will go running back early in this draft. I, I think the earliest they pick running back is, uh, what do they have? They don't have, like, fourth round? That'd be the earliest. So and, 106, right? Yeah, so I, I think that's the earliest they go running back. And, and to be honest with you, I think that's a little high. I, I would go, again, you can use James Robinson as an example. You can find these guys later. So I would go think that the Jags have a better chance to do something like that later. I saw a tweet earlier today by James Palmer. I thought this was pretty interesting. Next Gen has a, quote, can't-miss model. Did you see this? I did not. So follow along, but they basically put together these metrics and say, well, these are can't-miss prospects coming out in the draft. Well, in 2020, and it's not a huge list, so in 2020 they put together this list, and here are the players on it. Chase Young, C.D. Lamb, Joe Burrow, Isaiah Simmons, Tua, Justin Herbert, and Jerry Judy. Now, all well. those guys are pretty good. Now, Judy's still got a little work to do, and Tua does too. But the rest of those guys have been really good and proven to be good, right? Is Isaiah Simmons that dude? Like, I know he's supposed yeah, to be. Well, I, I think he's not a miss. Oh, that's know? fair. I'll give it a When they were running around last year on defense, I think he was a big reason why. Okay, I'll give you that. 2021, so this is last year's can't-miss prospects. Yep. Listen to the names. Jamar Chase. Kyle Pitts, Micah Parsons, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, Trevor Lawrence, Kadarius Toney. Now, the Giants are trying to trade away Kadarius Toney. J.C. Horn, I'm not too familiar at what he, he didn't did play. last year. I don't think he played. He didn't play? Okay. I don't think so. So I would put those two guys. Now, listen, Trevor by the numbers, but no, I, I still think a lot of people are in on Trevor, and it's going to take a little while from the quarterback position, and maybe he fits in like a two-a category, quite frankly, right now. But... I just gave you two, four, six, seven, two, four, six, seven. So seven names each draft, 14 names, and maybe three of those they missed on in their can't-miss projections. And I'm saying maybe, maybe because the jury's still out. I think right. the only guy, I mean, really, even Kadarius Tony, you can't say he's a bust yet. I mean, he played one year. Yeah, absolutely not. And he played with Daniel Jones. Come on now. <laughs> okay, so, so now the obvious question for you to ask is, Brent, who do they have in the 2022 can't-miss category? It's a good question. Thank you. I was kind of wondering if you were going to ask me. Brees Paul. Yep. Tops the list. Biggest score tied with Tyler Linderbaum. Interesting, but I Aiden, agree. Aiden Hutchinson. Evan Neal. Ahmad Gardner. That's Sauce Gardner, by the way. Coming in with a lot of swag. Oh, I saw uh, the drip. Draft oh, night. I saw the drip, Brent. I like it. Kayvon Thibodeau Shocker. in the can't-miss category. And Akeem Aquanu. Huh. Icky Aquanu. So Aquanu, Neal, Hutchinson, Linderbaum, Hall, Gardner, Thibodeau in the can't-miss category. There's a, There's name, a name missing, Brent. <laughs> there is a name missing. Trayvon Walker. Yeah. He's not registering in the next-gen can't-miss category. I mean... I, I agree that his name shouldn't be on there. Like, right? I don't think anybody's looking at this guy and saying can't miss, are we? 
Now, I will say this, okay? And this is this would be an interesting to see where his metrics were on this whole system and I don't have that. But so they have this they have categories, overall score of course, but production, athleticism and pro bowl percentage. Okay. Are part of their metrics. Well, production I don't know if they're forecasting production on Trayvon Walker. That's not going to score well. Agreed. Yes. Right. Athleticism, I'm assuming, scored very well. Likely. And then there's Pro Bowl percentage. And you know who has the highest Pro Bowl percentage out of all the names I gave you? Tyler Lindenbaum. No. Brees Hall. Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, well, you know. So, but he's a super boomer bust kind of looking pick in, in many people's eyes. But they're playing the boom side of this. Yeah. And so, anyway, I, I just thought, I thought it was fascinating. I have no idea. I mean, next, hey, listen, we are inundated with stats. What does it mean? I don't know. I mean, I'm not, we could look back and they could get four of them wrong this year. And we also could look back and what we don't see in that is where did they have other guys and how much did they, did they miss on True. how good some of these guys are, right? So, uh, just, I thought it was a pretty interesting look at, um, at the potential can't-miss guys. And Trayvon Walker's not one, but Aiden Hutchinson is one. So are the two offensive linemen in this draft uh, listed as can't-miss guys. All right, we take a break. Football at 5. Here's the deal. We're going to get you set up for the rest of the evening, Casey and I. We're going to play Trevor Lawrence. If you missed that, my one-on-one conversation with Trevor, that will lead, uh, free me up to go do a little bit of TV and Casey to put a bow on the show and... Us head into draft night with Action Sports Shacks OT, and then we have the draft on ESPN 690. So that's the plan over the next, uh, well, hour and 40 minutes or so. We are now about three hours to the minute when the Jacksonville Jaguars will make the 2022 number one overall pick in this draft. We'll be right back on ESPN 690. had a comment about, you know, if the Jags take Trayvon Walker, yeah. the Lions are going to run that pickup for Hutchinson. Sure. Is that as much of him being a Michigan guy, yeah. hometown kid, or is he the better player in your perspective? Well, I mean, shoot, I think that, that that's that's the eye of the beholder, I, I think. Um, I love Trayvon Walker. Love him. His, his upside is is way up there. He, he's got length. Uh, you 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 sense that his production was wasn't what it could have been if they would have used him a little bit differently. That defense at Georgia was not built for Trayvon Walker, right? Michigan's defense was built for Aiden Hutchinson in, uh, specifically last year. I think that's Joel Klatt who Stuart Weber caught up with. I like that the football people like Trayvon Walker, right? I mean. We all have our favorites. I really think Daniel Jeremiah does a terrific job. I think that a lot of people like what Joel Klatt does. I don't watch stuff as much, but uh, these guys are watching it and also know the scheme and the fit and whatever else. And I, I brought up that Ringer.com article today, or the Ringer, and uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. It'll make you feel a little bit better, I think, about uh, Trevon Walker, uh, who the Jaguars could take with the number one overall pick. Brent Morton, Casey Kurtz, back action sports chats on ESPN 690. Listen, I understand you're probably tired of draft talk, but we're here today, and it's draft 2022 finally. We're a little tired of and fatigued of the draft talk as well. well it's been a fascinating dance all around this uh, 2022 number one overall selection. It, it's not even now. I don't think it's a slam dunk 
who you think it is. You, you might want somebody. You might think you know who it is, but I don't think any of us really know. And I think that part's fascinating coming off last year. So we've had two different circumstances, one where everybody knew who they were going to take, and then this uh, situation where there's a, there's a bucket of guys there, but we don't know which one they're going to choose. And, and so there's some fun uh, in that. Something is going to happen tonight that nobody expects. Something's going to happen that has everybody talking. Something's going to happen that we're going to be like, wow. And I'm not predicting that to happen with the Jacksonville Jaguars, so hear me out. But you know that's happening, Casey. Like, yeah. Somebody is doing something. I don't know what. Uh, it could be the slide of quarterbacks. Could we get through a first round with no quarterbacks taken? Do you see that as even a small possibility? No. No, I do not. I think three quarterbacks will go in the first round. I think Kenny Pickett will go. I think Malik Willis will go. And I think Matt Corral will go. So, yeah, I, I think I think there's no chance of that. I think people will get quarterback desperate. I think these guys are better than they're giving getting credit for. I'm not saying they're going to be fantastic or great, but I think Kenny Pickett's good enough. I think Malik Willis is very intriguing. And I think Matt Corral is interesting in his own ways as well. So I think we're seeing three quarterbacks go. I'll tell you what, I don't know who's taking them, but I know they're getting taken tonight. Who could take them? Carolina, obvious, right? Pittsburgh, another and what Detroit maybe at the end of the round? Yeah, I think Detroit at the end of the round absolutely Seattle, Carolina. Um I agree with all those. And then I think when you get to the end of the round and you have Detroit sitting there with a possibility of taking a quarterback, that's when I think might maybe a team like the Saints or somebody I'm not going to say gets desperate, but you want to get in front of that team. The Chiefs have two picks right in front and then the Bucks have a pick as well. So those are teams you know that aren't going to take quarterbacks. You might have another team like the Saints or somebody trade in front of the Lions to get that quarterback into the Lions, take a different quarterback. So I think something fascinating could happen at the end of the round. That's why you can't go to bed early, Brent. Well, and listen, I hope something fascinating does happen. The, 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 what I'd love to see this play out is that the Jags take a, a defensive player, Hutchinson or Walker, and then they come back into that first round because they like somebody. It could be Linderbaum at 29. It could be Jamison Williams slipping to 21. It could be, you name it. It could be Jordan Davis, you know, barreling down and, and, and at 24 still available. I don't see that. I'm just making stuff up. But I wouldn't mind that. I think a lot of us would like that. It's not, I think, there, first of all, it would be exciting on draft night, right? I mean, there's, give a little intrigue while everybody's in bed. They'd wake up and be like, whoa, what just happened? What happened? Didn't even see that, right? Yeah. Nobody anticipated it. Because the Jags haven't done stuff like that, so it doesn't add up. I just don't know if the talent pool adds up to doing that. And I said this earlier in the week, and I'm still a little torn on it. When you don't, If you don't have 35 to 40 guys that you think are first-round guys, does it bring into play that you wait at 33, or does it bring more into play that you be aggressive and go get one of those top 20 guys that have a first-round grade? That I don't know. I don't know where the separation is, uh, but I think it's intriguing because I've heard that. Like, we've heard that. Everybody's heard it. Hey, they only had 20 guys or first-round grades. or It's not, you know, it's not this top-heavy and then collection of talent from 12 to 50. I think that part's fascinating. Could the Jags get back in? And uh, I'd love to see it happen. I, I think, you know, Trent Baalke said something back at the Combine. And we asked him about free agency, Casey. Mm -hmm. And he said, we're going to be aggressive, very aggressive. And he joked, we're going to spend Shad's money. I remember. And they did. 
Well, they did. I'll tell you what they did. Well, could we see an aggressive Trent Balky? Is that one of the things he's learned over the years? They don't sit back and wait. Go get somebody. Yeah, I think. Hey. Go ahead. No, it just and, and he knows his clock is ticking, right? I mean, so why wait around and build this thing for three or four years with multiple draft picks or a dozen draft picks again? Yeah, I think you hit into exactly what I was going to say right there is he understands where he's at. He knows he's not making the number one pick for the Jags again. Um, but in general, he knows that what what all happened. We've seen him kind of hint at the, what happened when the offseason with what the fans had to say and everything. So he's aware of the noise. Does he hear it? Is it in the headphones? You know, who knows? But he understands where he's at, and I think – Listen, if you want to get on the right side of the fans, the right side of your coaching staff, you go and you make moves to make your team better. And I think that's a possibility tonight. And uh, to, to your earlier point, you only have so many guys you think are worth, are worth picking in the first round. That's the same situation at 33. And if those guys start to dwindle, you got to go get one of them rather than settle at 33, in my opinion. All right, hey, shock your mock season is over for 2022. But I did a mock draft. I think you did a mock draft. Let's rip through them quick before we play our Trevor Lawrence interview in a couple minutes to go um, and then lead into Action Sports Jacks OT and then the draft on ESPN 690. What you got? You got yours up there, mine up there? You ripping mine? What are we doing? So they're both up there. As we speak, your first picks, mine are up there. Um, for those on the stream, I'll kind of break it down for you. Brent, when you see mine, you'll chuckle, but that's okay. So at number one, I pick Kevon Thibodeau because I think he's the best player in the draft. I then traded pick 33, pick 70, all the fifths, all the sixth, all the sixth next year, and all the fifths next year for the 14th pick, and I picked Drake London. Oh, my gosh. You did everything that, like, we, we've been yep. making fun of. Yep. Well, here's the just thing. Just to get Drake London. Well, here's the thing. If he falls to 14, Brent, this is exactly what we just talked about. This is the best receiver in the draft, and you only have to go up. I, like 15 or 16 picks, whatever. I think he's the best receiver in the draft. If you give up all the six and the fifths, 33, whatever, who cares, go get Drake London. So I end up with Thibodeau and Drake London, and then with the rest of my picks, I like uh, the guy from Oklahoma we've had consistently uh, on shock your mock at the linebacker position. Matthew Butler's a guy I like at defensive line. The highlights of Tennessee are pretty nasty. He can get after the pass rusher, but he, or he can get after the quarterback, but he stops the run as well. Al Geyer's interesting for me for BYU. A lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. JT Woods at the safety position in round five. And then Chris Collinsworth is going to have to explain this one to me. I got Weidemeyer, the tight end, at round six, pick 180, and they gave me an F. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that's like deep. I think I might have done that too, if I'm not mistaken. I just love that you traded 10 picks away. I kind of like that. Like, I do applaud you. You got rid of those damn six-round picks that I've been – moaning about hey. for the last like year. Yeah, I did what I had to do, Brent. When you see an opportunity to get a guy like that, you go get him. And I'll tell you what, if we wake up tomorrow with Thibodeau and Drake London, I might work for free. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, <laughs> I, I already did. I might jump off the roof onto a table that you're never going to jump. Yeah, I pretty much do. But you did, I, I, I might swim in the gator pond. I don't know. I'm going to go nuts. I know uh, it's not going to happen, but you know. Be, you'd be first in line for the jersey, that's for sure. Oh, I tell you what, I'd be out there tomorrow trying to get it. Uh, all right, so here's mine. I got Walker going. Uh, again, I will say this about me personally. I like Hutchinson, but I also have been on Walker for a couple of weeks. Like I like, I think there's more excitement factor, uh, more of a home run chance. I do think he has a higher ceiling of Hutchinson, even though I don't think Hutchinson's ceiling is low. I think he could be a sensational player, Walker. My biggest question is, where's the fit? How's the fit? Do they play him right? Linderbaum in this drop to 33. I think I'd like to go receiver at 33. I'd like to be aggressive. I wasn't doing any trades. I was sticking where we're at. Uh -huh. And 
Linderbaum, if he's there, though, I think you almost have to take him. If you real depend on how you grade him, but I like I don't know why he's slipping to thirty three if he's as good as everybody says. But you do need center, and a young center is not a bad. If this guy's that much value at thirty three, I just think you kind of have to take him rather than a receiver because the receiver draft is is at least deeper than the center draft in that regard. Mechie the third, I think if you get him at sixty five, I think there'd be a lot of people with intrigue there. And I know Austin had said, uh, "Hey, what are you going to stick him in the slot?" You know what, I. One thing about the slot conversation is, don't you feel like Kirk is going to play some on the outside and maybe more on the outside with that kind of paycheck? You would think. You know? Um, I got Chad Muma. Don't know a whole heck of a lot about him, but I know he filled the linebacker void. It's whoever's left on the board. Uh, I don't even know who else I have. Oh, you! Oh, look at that. That was a nice dissolve. Uh, by the way, I'm getting to a point where the sun is, like, just peeking behind. So, sorry for the uh, darker video. Um but I'm almost done, and you're going to have to hang in there with me if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, Zachary Carter, we feel a defensive tackle need. I think that's okay in the fourth round. I don't love Carter, but he was the best available for me. You get offensive guard at 157, so you add some there. I'm still going with Ben Barch, by the way, or Will Richardson at the guard spot to protect Trevor. And um, Hey, by the way, your next pick, by the way, 180, Hassan Haskins. Didn't we agree he's slow? What are we doing, we did. Brent? We did, but in the sixth round, and they brought him in, so they like him, something about him. But in the sixth round, man, I think that's pretty good value. I've seen him as high as, like, a fourth round. I mean, now you get in the sixth round, we're talking value, right? So uh, there's your Weidermeyer, 197. I got him deeper than you did. Yeah, what happened there? I don't know. Well, I, I traded know. all the picks away, so that's the lowest I could get him. But but, but Weidermeyer, wasn't he at one time considered, like, top three tight end in the draft? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and I haven't really heard anything that takes him out of consideration. Like, I don't. I'm not sure what happened there. So I think this guy could go any. I don't, he's not going tonight, but he could go potentially tomorrow. Obviously on Saturday, but I think that's kind of one to watch. Where where does he end up? Uh, Isaiah Likely is another guy that I could have get at the same pick when I got Watermeyer. So I think those two would be interesting to watch in the tight end uh, department. By the way, look uh, one a couple other things of note here. Dylan Parham. I've seen people have to take him at, like, 65 to get him. Yeah. On, on this mock draft, this simulator, I got him all the way at the second-to-last pick for the Jags. So, I mean, seems like there could be good value. What I want to note, though, is look what I did with the edge guys, right? I took some swings on edge guys. Yeah. Because I, do you have any idea how Jordan Smith's going to be? Do you have any <sighs> idea if Arden Key's going to be good? Do you have any idea if Caleb on Chason's going to be here after la- next year? Like, that is a position where you can continue to try to get guys, and right now, I just don't think there's a lot to love for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even if they do get a Hutchinson or Walker, I think you can add to that depth, and that's a position you can never have enough of them. And I just don't know what to rely on with this current roster right now uh, other than Dewan Smoot and Josh Allen. Agreed. Very much so. agreed. By the way, I also love what you did with Bubba Bolden. That was a guy that was supposed to be definitely higher than where you got him injuries at Miami, but I think he's an impact player and might end up sneaking up on some play, uh, some teams and makes an impact in the league. All right. Uh, so, anyway, uh, who knows, right, what will happen with the mock drafts. And this, again, it's so wild because the simulators all seem to put the same names in the same groupings, and, and then you go with one that you've heard. <laughs> True. <laughs> Quite frankly, you know. Um, what will the Jags do tonight at number one? We're hours away from finding out. Here's the deal. 
I got to go run and do some TV. CBS 47, Fox 30. Basically on from now until 11.30. So hopefully you can tune in. Wall-to-wall coverage, 7 to 10. We do it like nobody's ever done it locally. Last year we tried it, and we're doing it again this year because it worked. So hopefully you can tune in to CBS 47 and Fox 30. You're going to listen to Action Sports Shack's OT with Casey coming up at 6. You're going to listen to the draft on ESPN 690. If you got to go run some errands, pick up the kids, you're getting home from work late. That's how you can listen right on ESPN 690. Stuart Weber in Vegas, the entire Action Sports Shacks team here. Casey Kurtz with more to come. And coming up next, if you missed it earlier in the show, one more time we'll play my one-on-one interview with Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence. A year ago, he was the number one overall pick in the draft. Who will it be this time around? We're about to find out soon. See you at Jags headquarters tonight. We'll talk all about it tomorrow as well at 3 o'clock on ESPN 690. Have a good night, everybody. Couple minutes to go on a Thursday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau getting ready for the draft spend. Spectacular. CBS 47 and Fox 30. Casey Kurtz rocking with you for a couple minutes. And frankly, Trevor Lawrence, Brent Martineau, the one-on-one conversation. Played it a little bit earlier. But if you missed it, if you're just jumping in on the way home from work, it was so nice we're going to play it twice. So we're going to give you a little bit of that. On the way out, we'll hit a break after that, and then we'll come back, and me and Brian Middleton will have Action Sports Jacks overtime for you all the way up until 7 o'clock when we hand off to ESPN's coverage of the draft. So here's the draft live tonight right here on ESPN 690 if you can't watch it. But until then, Trevor Lawrence, then stick around for Action Sports Jacks overtime right after that. I think it, I mean, I think it's already started in a lot of ways. Just, you know, when that, when that season's over, Obviously, you take some time off and you kind of collect yourself and get ready to go again. But, um, yeah, I think it starts right when you start getting back to work. Workouts, throwing, studying, whatever that is. It starts kind of right when you get going again, which is, for me, it was like three weeks after. It took three weeks off and then got back rolling. So, officially, I think it's like kind of starting now because we got the whole staff is in place. We picked up, you know, did the free agency thing and have some great new guys and then also to go with the guys that we already have here and then now the draft is coming up but we're starting to work on everything together now starting on monday so that was good just to get everybody back in the building get on the same page and start to learn everything uh will be big and just do that as quickly as possible so we can start getting you know getting to work against each other you gotta learn again too right i mean yeah. how hard is that I mean, we always say you go back in time and you see Guys like Alex Smith who had so many different coordinators and playbooks and all yeah. this stuff. I mean, is it really a challenge? Obviously, it's a challenge. Like, you know, in a perfect world, you get to just learn one thing and use that every year and just master it more and more and build that relationship and get, you know, all the little details as you learn more and more and you have that relationship with coordinators, coaches, players, you can do more. And so that's, obviously that would be great, but the situation last year wasn't really real, wasn't really an option. So where we're at now, um, it's it's easier than learning everything for the first time. Like last year at this at this point, my head was definitely spinning a little bit because not, not m- many things carried over from college, but now I've learned one NFL system and now learning another, a lot of things carry over. So you, you just have to learn the new names and how you do things a little bit differently, but as far as the concepts, the protections, all those things are pretty similar. You just call them different things. So learning that is is still a little bit of a challenge, but a lot easier than last year. So I like like where we're at right now, and we have plenty of time. So I'm excited. 
We've seen a lot of guys over the years have to go work on the fundamentals, whether it's, you know, I don't know, release or anything. Mm -hmm. like that. We haven't heard that as much with you. I mean, do you work on the fundamentals part? Was there something that stuck out last year for me that maybe you weren't as sharp as you thought you could be and you're fine-tuning? Or yeah. is, do you work on different things because you feel like you're tools are pretty powerful. No, I think that's always a big part. No matter who you are, it's working on those fundamentals, whether it's footwork, your throwing motion, whatever it is. And, you know, I spent some time out in California working with some guys out there just on mechanics and how to use your whole body and take some pressure off your arm and also how to, you know, get your arm a little stronger. All those things I worked on and I think it helped me a lot and taking those things back with me now and having the little sound bites in my head of things to help me. I guess stay polished and stay smooth and make sure my mechanics are always in sync and that, that helped me a lot and then always footwork last year as the year goes on it kind of see it gets a little bit sloppy as you know every game so just trying to polish it up to where this year I feel like I'm very clean and have my feet under me and have that base like that's that's a big thing for me you're watching this organization spend a lot of money and a lot of it's to help you uh, to receiver-wise from Kirk to Jones to Ingram and, mm -hmm. and up front with Sheriff. Yep. What, was that fun to watch? It's great, you know. Uh, it was really, obviously I'm still like learning how everything works, but knowing free agency's coming up, you're always interested what's gonna happen and um, you know who you're gonna get, who you're gonna be able to get. You see big names that supposed to be free agents and they get tagged or whatever, and you're like, oh, that guy's gone. But just seeing the guys that we got and talking to them and now I know them and spend some time with them. I really like one, I think they're all high character guys that, that do things the right way and being able to throw with them the past couple of days, you can just tell hard workers, really smart, um, they, just, they just do it the right way. So I'm excited to be around guys like that and then just, they're talented too. So that'll help us a lot, give us some more some more weapons um, to go along with the guys that we already have. Also, you know, we re-signed Tread, who was great last year, helped us a lot. So all those guys, the guys that I'm familiar with, being able to build on that and then, you know, start to build chemistry with the new guys is going to be great. And then, obviously, like you said, Brandon up front will, will be awesome. So, How much uh, is it on you to make those guys better? Like, how much do you put on yourself better? Yeah. You look at a guy like Christian Kirk, he's obviously trying to, he's done well, he's trying to hit a new level yeah. in his career. How much can you help with that? I mean, obviously, a, a, I can help a ton with that. Just that relationship between a quarterback and receiver is huge. And the ones that are the best, that are whatever, have the most yards both ways and touchdowns, have the best relationship. And the, I, I guess the chemistry is there. You know exactly where they're going to be, what they're going to do. And really just got to build that over time. You're not going to get it overnight and just spending that time together. So, yeah, I'd say a lot of that is on me and um, it's on them as well. It's, it's kind of even. You just have to spend the time together and really talk through things. And, um, that's what this time is for right now. And then we'll have we'll have this, and then we'll have all the camp. So we got plenty of time to do it. Obviously, as the season goes on, you build more and more, and every week it can change. But um, that's something that we're looking forward to, and you got to have if you're going to have a really good, really good offense. What bothered you more about last year? Twelve touchdowns or seventeen picks? Oh man, I hate I hate turning the ball over. So I'd say seventeen picks. Obviously, you know that's not great for an offense to only have. 12 passing touchdowns so in order to win in this league you're gonna need more than that need more expo explosive plays all that so I'd say that both bother me um at the end of the day it's not about stats for me but to a certain point you know if you're if you're playing well and your team's playing really well your the numbers are gonna 
back that up for the most part. So um, it is what it is. Didn't have a great year. Had a few good games and a lot, a lot of bad games and some bad plays, some good plays. And you just take it all into consideration and you, you learn from it and really just use that for this next year and to have a great year. And, I, you know, that's kind of in the past. Obviously, I'll use the things I learned. You have to because that's, that's why it happened. You know, you got to learn from it. But, um, yeah, I'm just I, I know what I can do. I got a lot of confidence in, in the player I am and really just putting in the work and spending the time with the guys and, and making sure everybody's ready. That was part of the conversation with Brent Martineau and Trevor Lawrence. You can hear the rest of that conversation tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30 in the three-hour draft coverage. Stick with us right here on ESPN 690. Brian Middleton and myself on the other side. Action Sports Jacks Overtime.